Hey everyone back again. Okay, on to part one. Today we're going to cover chapters one and two from part one of Martin Heidegger's Being in Time. So the last two episodes we did covered the entire introduction. Now we are into part one. Uh, before jumping into it, go and watch the other parts. What are you doing? Uh, you might randomly hear the sound of a cat snoring because there's a cat around me. My big cat likes to snore. So if you hear a weird snoring noise, you know that's my big cat. If you want to follow me anywhere than here, you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, other things, all links in the description. If you want to help me out, like, share, subscribe, tell your friends, who knows? They might really learn something. This is a really interesting text they might learn, and that'll be great. Then you can talk with them about it. Wouldn't that be fun? We can all increase our knowledge. That'll be amazing. If you want to help me out monetarily, you can do that uh, through Patreon or PayPal, but no pressure to do that. Please take care of yourselves first. And uh, yeah, if you found this on YouTube, you can find it as a podcast and any podcast platform, pretty much any uh, under all the same names, which is, yeah, you can, then you can just listen to it. People tell me I have, a, I have a soothing voice. Maybe I can help you sleep. Now that there's no like intro song, you don't even have to worry about that, like a loud noise. So yeah. Anyways, let's jump into part one titled The Interpretation of Dasein in Terms of Temporality and the Explication of Time as the Transcendental Horizon of the Question of Being. So that is going to be his focus for this entire part. And then there'll be part two. So he starts this part before actually getting into chapter one. So here he for his preamble to part one is to say that to engage Dasein, to understand it, means we acknowledge its fundamental structure as being in the world. So we will analyze the world in its worldliness. And if you don't know what this stuff means, that's fine. You're not supposed to know what it means yet. I'm going to explain what it means as we go along here. The world in its worldliness, being in the world as being a self, and being with others, and being in as such. So through these analyses, by an analyzing these things, we will see that Dasein's ex existential meaning is care. So this is Dasein's primary qualities that he's going to reveal here. He's going to reveal Dasein's being found within time, or its temporality, I should say, is to be distinguished from time, but its temporality and its attachment with care. So what he does is not, like I've already said, doesn't bracket off the world. He's going to use existing in the world, like really physically being in the world, being among other people as a, a kind of stepping stone, as a, as a jumping off point to understanding what the nature of Dasein is in its fundamental structure. What is it fundamentally before even existing? Can we find out what it is? by looking at the world. He's going to really engage these questions. He's really going to try and find out what it is by looking at really banal things, like using a hammer or turn signals on cars. And that puts us here into chapter one, the exposition of the task of a preparatory analysis of Dasein, which I think is a funny, it's like the exposition of the task, like laying out the task itself which will be the preparatory analysis of Dasein it's like the step before the step before the step but that's what he does I mean this is very this is within Heidegger's style 
It's very thematic for him in that he's going to break down every definition. He's going to break down everything that's necessary in order to begin the analysis. So we are the being that is concerned with our being. That is Dasein. Right now, like even as we're posing this question, we are wondering what being is. We are really embracing this kind of Dasein or we are exemplifying it. So two there are two necessary characteristics that we need to highlight here. That is that essence of this being is in its being, that is in its ability to be, to exist in the world, or its whatness that is expressed in through the existence insofar as one can speak of it at all. Now this is existentia over essentia. So its essence though, is not reducible to its existence or its it's by existence we mean its outward appearance it's existing in the world that's what we mean by existence here it is its being itself so he's looking at how these two things are united he doesn't want to just bracket off the external world like someone like uh René Descartes does right Descartes is like I can doubt everything but ultimately what I cannot doubt is my own mind Therefore, I think that I think therefore, I think therefore I am, which is him saying, even to doubt your mind requires the act of thinking, which you can't do. You cannot doubt away thought because it requires thought to doubt. So no matter what, that will remain. You can be unsure about everything in the world, according to Descartes, like who knows if that stuff is out there? Who knows if we're living in the matrix or like there's that evil demon or whatever that that put everything here? We, we don't know, but we what we are certain of is that we are thinking. That we cannot doubt. So that was the first characteristic here, at least emphasizing its existence. The second one is that is Dasein, as being of beings, is always indifferent or non-indifferent to the outward manifestation that it expresses. So it is always present to all. So for those concerned with being, but its pursuit is totally my own. Like, this is an entirely individual enterprise, an entirely individual effort, always being my own being, as he puts it. Now, this, this demands a lot of qualification, because as it, it will become clearer much later, but on the one hand, Dasein is an incredibly individual thing. It is something that we are, can only be attuned to in ourselves. It's only our own Dasein. It's only my own Dasein. But this Dasein does not exist as like a free-floating entity in the world that can just do whatever it wants. Its existence, which we've already established it's, is really important to understanding it, that is its ability, its like outward appearance existing in the world, its existence is bound up with that world and will be determined by that world. If I, you know, if I was born in Jamaica or anywhere, Hong Kong, Russia, whatever, I would lead like a very different life, for example. My understanding of the world would be totally different. I would have a different community, different ways of engaging with the world. I would eat different food. I would talk differently than I do now. Like so many things would change. And so in that way, Daseins are not totally subject to their own will. They are subject to the will of what he will call the they that is the like the world around them people around them you know people's customs around them the public the they now even in 
providing this like exposition into the possible task into the preparatory analysis of a final investigation like this step to before the step before the step he celebrates this as just as being a success in itself because so far or for so long in the history of philosophy i should say no one has even questioned this at all like what is being what is its relationship to the world is being totally an isolated thing is it shaped by the world how do we actually disaggregate the two what is essence that is this true you know quote unquote true thing an identity beneath what is determined from the outside so in terms of dasein's actual identity heidegger tells us that it is it always defines itself in terms of a possibility which it is and therefore understands itself in its being and its existing this is why we can't discover it in variations in things in objective experience so those will just lead us astray right so he doesn't want to bracket off the world but he doesn't want to say like oh we just find this out in the world like we can just see things in the world from them try to extract a universal principle or what he calls a fundamental ontology of being these fundamental structures that allow things people being to exist we can't just do that we won't find anything there we'll just we'll be led astray there's too many variations there's not there's no universal principles to be had in terms of finding the answer to this question instead we must maintain dasein's indifference to all things as a condition for them so there this all this is to say that there is something that conditions the possibility of being in things being able to even come into existence in the world and that this being is concerned with itself and this demonstration or being the being that is concerned with itself is dasein so dasein is a condition for the world itself but dasein is also dependent upon worlds it is dependent upon a social setting in which it can actually exist so dasein is a condition of the everyday but it also tries to flee and forget the everyday dasein is ultimately a process of creation while it is also a turning away from creation to be means to have been created so if we look at the ontic everydayness as what he calls pregnant structures that is sites for the possibility of new designs to emerge new people to emerge you know people like being born simply that create we are confronted with an ontological condition of design so design is in constant tension with itself now what the hell do i mean by that i mean that design as an individual thing we only have our own design has a natural propensity and i'm using the word natural just very loosely here like please be kind to me i'm just just for the sake of being able to convey this thought has a natural propensity to adapt to a world and so it is both individual and then highly collective it can do both it it attaches itself to both so in a sense when uh, heidegger says that it is a condition for the everyday but it is also tries to flee and forget the everyday dasein exists in the world not purely as a collective embracing collective existence nor 
entirely as just trying to engage individually in the world. It is a meeting of the of both. It flees itself in embracing community, in embracing the world, customs, people, whatever. And it also embraces itself in those moments in which it actually exists according to its own will in the world. So as humans in the world, we don't just like follow the herd, so to speak. You know, we are people that have, we, we do things that make sense to us, our identities. And our identities, as he will come to say much later on in the text, like, despite the fact that we undergo massive variations in the world, we still maintain our identity, our understanding of ourself, even through like various traumas and everything, like, and our cells rearranging in our brains, essentially our entire bodies having been changed over the course of time with cells regenerating and transforming and whatever, we are still ourselves and understand us to be ourselves, unless there's like a serious trauma and then we can't think anymore or, or whatever. But through that, assuming there isn't like an external force that, that messes it up, we have this universe or this like unchanging attachment, an identity, a recognition of who we are in ourselves. And we were, we're pretty stubborn. Like we just kind of stay the same throughout our whole lives. Like once we establish who we are, like even in, even in youth, like for my own part, looking back to who I was like as a kid, like we, I can find the trajectory there. Like it makes sense to me how I am still very much the same. So there are two ways to understand being. There's being in its fundamental structures that exist beneath the ontic conditions that we see and feel and touch in the everyday and then there was those instances of being that exist in the everyday that are demonstrated in the everyday so too many disciplines like for him like biology anthropology psychology and philosophy even seem to just engage with what he calls the categories which are the ontic expressions of being out in the world and are not interested in the fundamental structures of the existential, if you remember from one of the previous episodes, existential structures that actually permit being to be without being too poetic, that allow being to actually exist. So all of these disciplines, certainly psychology and anthropology, sociology, they are not concerned with the question of being itself. They just look at what happens in the world and are totally satisfied with that. And it's totally legit. Like, I think that there there is room for that, of course. There's a lot to learn just by looking at what happens in the world, how humans exist in the world. That doesn't actually bring us closer to understanding being itself, though. So all of these fields, and da uh, Dasein, and Heidegger is more critical of them than I, I think that they deserve. I mean, they're doing their thing, so like, whatever. But he's like, all these fields essentially uncritically see humans and assume their essence is tied to what they do in the world instead of digging further or deeper into the question of what it means to do, to actually exist in the world, to do things in the world, and how it relates to a fundamental being, a fundamental ontology. So this is true of all people at all times for Heidegger. He's not saying this is reserved for like, a certain stage of human development or something. This is uh, all the time, all beings that participate in creating worlds. Like, and I would take this so far as to say that like certainly animals would in a lot of ways, and I know this is, I'm not super caught up with 
animal studies and Heideggerian scholarship. I don't really know what's going on there. But I think there are some resonances here with especially how we understand animals to participate or engage in world building, like bees, for example, or packs of wolves, how they create their territory, or how certain birds use certain kinds of calls and engage in engagements in the world in order to seduce a mate or whatever. I think that all of these can be ways to understand or can be added to the question of being and why we actually feel the need to create worlds. If we are just like pure products of our environment, if, that, if that's just all we are, and we just exist purely for evolutionary purposes, just to like wake up, eat, go to sleep, defecate, reproduce, that's it. We, we do a whole lot more than that. And so do animals. Like there's so much more. Like what is it that guides us to do that much more? What is the driving force here that pushes us to do more? So without an eye turned what is turned towards, sorry, what is often taken for granted, that is like humans just existing in the world, people are like, oh, we, well, we just do it, who cares? Or like in the previous episodes when we talked about other uh, approaches to being, some people were like, oh, we can never find an answer, who cares? So instead of taking these things for granted, these sciences then, or by taking them for granted, I should say, these sciences then only ever dabble in repetitions. They only are ever, ever able to repeat what already exists out there. And just like say what's happening out there, it doesn't actually move us further to understanding being or how being is intimately connected with the ability to exist in the world, to create worlds, to create identities, to create communities, to create things, monuments, history, culture. Now that puts us here into chapter two, titled Being in the World in General as the Fundamental Constitution of Dasein. <laughs> this is going to be such a long, oh my god, this is, this is, does not do well with the algorithm gods, let's just say, eight parts, oh my goodness, but if I did this for the algorithm, I would have stopped long, long, long ago. So, for those of you listening, on to chapter two. Being in the world in general as the fundamental constitution of Dasein. So I feel like here it's necessary to add one more thing that was he sort of introduced in the last chapter, but didn't really, not, not in a lot of detail, is that in the conflict, I'm, I'm calling it a conflict, but it, you know, you don't have to think of it that way. But in the, I guess, tension between Dasein's wanting to be individual and wanting to exist in a world, in a community, we find a distinction between its authentic self, that is, its desire, its desire to live itself, its life out by its own will, and its inauthentic self, the self that it assumes in the world. Now, he's using these terms, but he, it, like, we are not supposed to be critical or to say like the inauthentic self is less legit than the authentic self. These are just the only terms at his disposal or like the translator had to use. But he's very clear, like we're not judging this. And actually, like if you read about this online or anywhere, especially when he talks about later on how Dasein falls, almost falls victim to the they, to the world, to community. Many people are like, yeah, Dasein's, uh, why do I keep doing that? Heidegger's critiquing our propensity to essentially follow the herd 
And that, like, I don't know. Maybe I just disagree with a ton of Heideggerian scholarship, but that is not what he's saying. That it, he's not being, he says, like, flat out that he is not being critical here. He's not saying this is wrong. He's saying this is absolutely necessary. Like, you can't have Dasein that is just not attached to the world. Anyway, so you have the authentic Dasein, inauthentic Dasein. So everything established so far, right? We know that Dasein exists. It is mine. It's individual. It is a possibility. It is a possible demonstration of authenticity and inauthenticity of the for itself versus for the community, for world. It is found in the everyday, and it is indifferent. All of these are then like a priori, like a priori knowledge of Dasein itself. So a priori being universal knowledge that is unchanging, like saying all crows are black is an a priori statement that applies to all crows. I don't, I don't have to have seen every single crow to know that this is true. Another a priori statement is that all triangles have three sides or all triangles have, are comprised of 180 degrees or you know, the two angles or the two sides of a squared of a right triangle equals the squared of a the, the third angle, the third side, the hypotenuse side, whatever. True statements that are universal are a priori statements. So these are a priori, this is a priori knowledge of what Dasein is, as he set it out. Like, it, it exists. It is mine. It is individual. It is authentic or inauthentic. It can be found in the everyday. It is indifferent. It is all of these things. There's no other way to understand being or existing and the guiding force behind existing. So we must accept them a priori in conjunction with being in the world. So, so far, like, we, we're focusing on Dasein, right? We haven't really engaged with what he calls being in the world. What does that mean? So being in the world acknowledges the phenomenological claim of the unity of all perception toward a unified phenomenon. What the hell does that mean? Well, we got to go back to Kant for this, where to be in the world, although we have radically different experiences in the world, I think I'm using the term radically a little bit loosely here, but we have very different experiences in the world, you know, I might see the wall as blue, you might see it as you're red, you like tomatoes, I, I don't like tomatoes, or vice versa, whatever. We have different experiences in the world. We, you know, our brains and our senses work in translating the world, whatever it is out there, who the hell knows, but it translates that thing and makes it available to us. And so along that chain of translation, we all might have radically different perceptions ideas about, you know, images that are conjured up in our minds, feelings that come up into our minds, hear things, smells, totally different from one another, might be totally different. Now, in the face of this, we have to also acknowledge the fact that we can all exist in the world. We can have shared understandings about things, even though we, we can't be sure if we're all having the same experience of them. We can form community. We can have identities. So that what it identities that resonate with one another. So that's what it means. That's what it means to be in the world. 
even though we aren't totally sure about how each one of us actually perceives it and understands it. The other thing is that, so this is on like, um, almost like a community level or when considering many different individuals and our different experiences, but even like individually, myself, I am able to make sense of the, this is still all Kant, I'm able to make sense of the world, even though the world like is, is a pretty scary thing. I'm able to actually make sense of it and to unify certain objects and phenomena together. So I might see like a dump truck or something, which is like a scary thing. It's loud. It moves fast. It's big. It's, it's heavy. It's made of metal. And I'm able to like understand it and situate it in my mind. Okay. Maybe that's not the best example because it's like a constructed human thing and we're taught like, you know, to understand it. But take a storm, for example. A storm is something that can induce fear in us, of course. But a storm is also something that we can make total sense of in our own minds. Or like a mountain. A mountain is a horrifying thing. If any of you have been near a mountain, like, its ability to communicate to us just how small we are is just one thing. And being like, this monolithic thing that, you know, it could have an avalanche or whatever or, or anything like that or like certain types of animals that we don't fear because we're able to make sense of them. Whatever. All of these things, the world is scary. Random things happen. Who knows? But we're able to live in a certain degree of comfort in our ability to categorize and organize things in the world, just like almost naturally, so that we can move through it. So that we can see the difference between the trees and the grass. So we don't like bump into trees, right? We don't see the trees as being an amalgamation of trillions of little parts. We see it as a unified whole. So this is the unity of perception, the unity of like phenomena. At least two ways to understand it. Between many individuals and then just individually for me. Have I, I still got you here? <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't lost you yet? So let me repeat that. So being in the world acknowledges the phenomenological claim of the unity of all perception toward a unified phenomenon. Now this is this is a Kantian idea, but Heidegger's like that's the that does not even come close to getting at the actual nature of being. What about community? Really? Like what about making monuments and making culture and making communities? So we have to go further. We really have to ask what this means. What does it mean to be in the world? We must ask about the ontological structure of the world and the idea of worldliness itself. We aren't, you know, when we're talking about a world, we're not just talking about some like abstract, like ability to unify seemingly disparate things. Like a tree is not like, we aren't scared of the branches, but okay with the trunk. Like we unify them together as one, like one whole. Now, when we're talking about the world, we're not just doing that like abstract practice there. We're doing something that's incredibly complicated. Unifying people with different interests, different designs together. Forming community, forming structures, forming identities around that. We also have to understand what being is. So we have the in the world part, or at least we've opened the question as to what in the world means. What does being mean now? in terms of being in the world. Like being is the, the average everyday person of perception in the world. At least for now, that's how we'll understand it. Just like existing in the world. 
And then being in, we must investigate what inness is. So we have the problem of what a world is. We have the problem of what being is. And we have the problem of what being in is that he's going to clarify. So he starts with the third one. He starts with asking what it means to be inside of something in this context. What does it mean to be in the world? So being here refers to meeting of two beings. So this is one, this is the wrong way to understand it. I have to clarify. For example, if you have clothes in your closet, we understand being in as being inside of, kind of enclosed within. That is not what he's after here. Because this implies a kind of never-ending sequence where, you know, your pants are in the closet, but then the closet is in the room. The room is in the house. The house is in the, like, I don't know, in on the earth, the earth, whatever. And it's like an endless chain. It's like an endless chain of possible understanding of what being in is. So this could go on forever, right? So being in instead is not to be thought of in that way. As as though by existing in a world, we are just like, sh like closed in that world. We are just uh, essentially locked within it, like a house. Instead, we have to think of it more as like a possible giving and taking. We are not just the pants that exist in the closet. What a silly set. Yeah, you just you just tuned in. It's at the 2943 mark. You are not just the pants that exist in the closet. No. <laughs> to be in is an ontological description of these things that are categorical and not existential. We want to instead think about it in terms of a giving and taking or being in is not just us existing in something, but us also shaping that thing that we exist in, in the sense of not like in this being enclosed in. And I know, okay, for Heideggerians out there, you're like, oh, well, enclosure signifies something very specific or denotes something very specific for Heidegger. Don't think of it that way. I just mean like physically being like closed in something. So we want to think of this as an existential, existentially. Like it's an existential structure. So to do this means separating it from the idea of spatiality itself. Being in does not imply that you are in something in space, like pants in the closet. <laughs> pants in the closet. Instead, we must understand being in as attaching it to the idea of inhabiting, being familiar with, being attached to, like being in a club, you know, being part of being in a community might just be the easiest way to uh, like another way to frame it so being in is thus the formal existential expression of the being of dasein which has the essential constitution of being in the world which is the fancy way of saying what i've just said that being in is not like spatially being in something pants in the closet but instead being in a world with a world shaping that world and then having it shape us so this isn't to say that Dasein doesn't have spatiality, right? Which he kind of will go on to say, but it, this isn't to say that Dasein doesn't have spatiality, but it, it is not constituted because it is in the world in space, but is only manifested in the world or in a world. So Dasein it has like physical presence in the world, right? We are accounting for space. 
but it's not as though it just attains its identity simply because it exists in space. Instead, it is by its engagement more holistically with a world, with the world, with a world, any world, and its attachment to these things that break down space that actually give it its identity. So things are united in their being in the world, and so Heidegger suggests that what unites things in a world that, that are open to Dasein is care, which he classifies as action and intent. To exist in a world always implies that you are not just like on your own, right? I mean, as humans, if any of us did that, any of our ancestors, you know, you're listening right now, the only reason you're listening right now is because your ancestors never said, screw, screw you all. I'm going to live in the woods. <laughs> I'm going, I'm going alone. I'm going to just, and then I'll, I don't know, have kids on my own or something. And then it, like, it's, that'll be it. That no one, the only reason you're listening is because they didn't do that. They instead were like, oh yeah, I'm going to stay with my, my community. We're going to work together here. We're going to get food together. We're going to hunt together and live together. Like these are the people that survived who, who like kept the world going. Even those people like, you know, I'm living in the United States right now. Even those people that are the most like libertarian want to go live off the grid. Like they depend so much upon an already established network of relations and communication all of the cheap products they want to buy because of global communication and global exploitation. Like, of course, they can then say, oh, yeah, this is possible because there's this entire network, this global exploitative network that's been established. So we always depend upon some amount of existing in the world. We are never truly like free of it. So in that way, we are always engaging with others in like a careful way. We care about the world, and I know that care has a certain connotation of being like associated with um, like active effort in maintaining others' well-being. But here he's not he's not referring to it in that way. He's referring to it in the in a somewhat similar way, but not to such an extreme. It's like act for him action and intent of doing things that contribute to your existence in a world not as like an isolated individual this means like talking i mean talking to people helping create monuments helping to engage productively with people to do things together and to shape the world together or that world together not the universal total world but just your world so we are not really concerned here in how care manifests in the world but in how care makes Dasein visible, it has nothing to do with emotion or specific actions like acts of benevolence, like volunteering, taking care of people, like going out of your way. That's all. I mean, that's all great. These are good things. But he's talking about the way that we exist in the world with others and kind of naturally are geared toward their well-being in helping in like participating in creating a best world for all of us in our like world that we we inhabit now for this to be possible for us to have an innate sense of care that is our dasein is thrown into the world and we we just kind of match it you know we learn the language of that we we learn language without even thinking we learn customs like we are naturally geared towards adopting adopting a world 
which means adopting other people to some extent, like in a very symbolic kind of way, adopting attitudes, adopting identities, adopting like a communal direction and goal. So we are uh, to have care reveals that we possess some knowledge of world that stages the possibility of action. So this tells us that Dasein has a natural propensity to understand world even before it exists in the world because it comes into it and we're just like already geared towards adopting that world not just being like oh i'm on my own like no one does no one can do that like that will not happen so this is not knowledge as spinoza wrote of it i don't like i don't like spinoza wrote of it like knowledge was just about trying to accrue as much new information about the world as you can so that we aren't duped by like thinking that the the sun rotates around the earth or something so we acquire more and more info about things and then we, we gain knowledge so he's not talking about knowledge in this way he instead thinks of knowledge as a mode of being of dasein as being in the world in our world that is what you know this is what knowledge is how to best optimize that world are existing in it among others so this is different from knowledge that emerges from imagined distinction between subjects and objects like this is the kind of knowledge we'd find in anthropology or sociology that says that there are people studying and there are things out there to be studied knowledge for heidegger is about one's engagement with a world what they know about that world we are instead interested in how there is not such a neat distinction between subjects and objects because that would imply a kind of spatiality a kind of distance we are instead concerned with being in a world that we shape and shapes us and that we work upon and it works upon us so a little more on this knowledge in terms of dasein in the world refuses to uh, refers to common experience of existing in perceiving and taking care among others who are doing the same one Dasein among other Daseins. So as he writes, in knowing, Dasein gains a new perspective of being toward the world always already discovered in Dasein. So we haven't, still we haven't really explained what being in the world is. We're only still setting up the conditions for it. We now know what like being in, what does imply to be in something? We don't mean it spatially, like pants in the closet, but rather being with being among others in a shared goal shared direction in a world that has shaped us and that we can then work upon it and yeah let's uh <laughs> let's wrap that up there next time we're going to do chapters three and four where we're going to get into the worldliness of the world what is the world how do we actually <laughs> what what does it mean to be in the world um and like i am being i'm delivering like a, a truncated version here because this book if you read it it's so repetitive oh my god is it repetitive so i'm giving you just like what you like essentially the argument as it runs from beginning to end but as i said at first in the first episode sometimes he like will have this whole argument finish a chapter start a new chapter repeat the argument but with subtle differences that's like dude you no you can't suddenly make these slight variations and then claim to have finished what you started in the previous chapter i don't have examples of it because i was like reading it and just like 
was getting so frustrated, especially with like the way he defined certain terms. But anyways, I'm sure that if it, you've not, whatever, if you like what I did, like, share, subscribe, anything I got wrong, let me know. I can pin it in the comments on YouTube or on a podcast platform. You know, you can just leave a review. Let me know. I'd love to hear about it. And yeah, on that note, take care, everyone. <laughs>